Welcome to Book Clips, a mini-podcast where authors share a reading from their novels, part of the Lesbian Review, and broadcast on the lesbiantalkshow.com. The Lesbian Review brings you only the best in lesbian fiction. Jean Copeland, The Revelation of Beatrice Darby As Beatrice guzzled the cola, she saw Miss Gill glare at Donna. The bubbles tickled her nose, and she stifled the giant belch, praying Miss Gill didn't notice. Her eyes felt as big as bicycle wheels as she marveled at her surroundings, a movie poster of Kim Novak in Picnic, larger than anything she drooled over in modern screen, hung invitingly over the jukebox, and she tried not to gape at the dazzling spectacle of women in such intimate situations. I never imagined places like this existed, she said. It's not exactly like they can advertise, Miss Gill's friend Peggy said, adjusting her pointy cat-eye glasses that were sliding down her pointy nose. And it's really bad for business when kids sneak in. Miss Gill placed a protective hand on Beatrice's shoulder. Don't worry, Peg. She's going to leave right after she finishes her coke. Right, Bea? Beatrice promised with a solemn nod. She's right, kid, Donna added. You want to get this place closed down? Take it easy, Donna, and don't call her that, Miss Gill said, softly. I said she's only staying for this one drink. Make sure when you go, you're not seen coming out of here, Peggy said. Nobody wants to end up like your gym teacher. Miss Hellman, Beatrice asked. What about her? She moved to Albuquerque to take care of her mother. The trio of ladies chuckled, although none of them seemed amused. Yeah, sure, said Donna. She moved to Albuquerque, all right, right after the principal hauled her into his office and threatened to publicly disgrace her and strip her of her pension if she didn't. Beatrice crinkled her eyebrows as she tried to process the information. Why? For being in here? All you have to do is know the wrong cop, and pretty soon the whole world knows your business, Peggy said. Everyone loves the taste of a juicy rumor, Miss Gill said. But take a look around, Bee. We're not the freaks of nature they say we are. My mother says homosexuality is a mental illness, Beatrice said. That people shouldn't hate queers, they should feel sorry for them. The ladies exchanged smirks. Donna hiked up her jeans. I think I speak for these three queers when I say, even though it isn't easy living this lifestyle, I'd rather be who I am than marry some poor, unsuspecting bastard and make us both miserable. Peggy and Donna clinked their drink glasses against Miss Gills. Speaking of juicy rumors, Peggy said, shouldn't we get this one out of here before someone blabs? Miss Gill nodded gravely and looked toward Donna and Beatrice. Beatrice watched their eyes, desperate to stay in their company longer. So is this the only place people like us can go to socialize? People like us, Donna snorted. You mean dykes? Lesbians? If you're going to be one, you ought to at least be able to say the word. Donna's laugh made Beatrice feel silly. Worse than that, the few times Beatrice had heard those words, they'd been spewed with mocking hatred. Pipe down, Don. She's an ingenue, Peggy drawled, patting the back of her head to verify her button wasn't unraveling. This is our only place for now, Miss Gill said, until some group of uptight grannies or suits or Bible thumpers nag the city council to shut us down. She cupped her hand around the corner of her mouth. We're lucky the mob runs Theodorios. They don't care what your lifestyle is as long as they get their cut of the booze profits. Intrigued, Beatrice leaned closer. But don't you get scared someone's going to hurt you or start a scandal about you, she asked, wearing her naivete like a gaudy brooch. It's like this, Peggy began. Ever read Passing by Nella Larson? Beatrice shook her head. Well, you ought to. Peggy jiggled the ice in her screwdriver. See, Claire Kendry is this mulatto woman 
who realizes she can escape poverty and discrimination by acting like she's white. A beat-em-at-their-own-game kind of thing. It's the same deal with us. As long as they don't know you're a lesbian, they can't hurt you or scandalize you. You just pass for straight. Make believe you're interested in boys, but never let one catch you. Beatrice frowned. That seems like an awful lot of work. So is having to find a new job or apartment every time someone gets wind of your secret lifestyle. Betty Hellman found out the hard way, poor toad. Miss Gill bowed her head as if observing a moment of silence for a fallen sister. Beatrice grew pensive over this passing business. But it sure beat the alternative. I gotta go to the ladies' room, she said, as she drank the last sip of her cola. Under the flickering light, she stared at her distorted image in the filmy mirror. How strange that she felt so safe within the walls of this strange new world, like none of the ugliness of the real world could touch her. She smoothed down her fuzzy sweater and ran a wet finger across her front teeth before walking out into the dark hallway, where she bumped into Miss Gill coming in. Oh, B, she said, obviously a bit tipsy from a collection of seven and sevens. It's getting late. You better vamoose now. I'll walk you out. Smitten by Miss Gill's eyes, the color of maple leaves dying in autumn glowing under the fire exit sign, Beatrice kissed her familiar succulent lips. This time Miss Gill didn't recoil. She kissed her back, gently at first, then with passion. Peggy's and Donna's chorus of woos from behind them jolted Miss Gill into backing off. B, you shouldn't do that, Miss Gill said, lacking all conviction. Her eyes sparkled as she licked the moisture from her lips. You only said I shouldn't do it at work, Beatrice said, almost in a childlike whine. Abby, you dirty devil, Donna said, elbowing her arm. It was only a peck, and frankly, you caught me by surprise, Miss Gill said. Abby's eyes watered. You think I'm some dumb kid, don't you? No, Bee, of course I don't, or that I'm ugly. No, honey, I mean, look at you. Gorgeous hair, contagious smile. You're a lovely girl, but you're still a girl. Beatrice clenched her jaw in indignation. I'm not a girl. I'm turning 18 in October. She's turning 18, Abby. Knock her socks off, Donna said with a mischievous grin. She's jailbait, muttered Peggy. Miss Gill took Beatrice's hand in hers. Listen, doll, I'm 31 years old and I'm sure not looking for any trouble. Donna glanced down the deserted hall and egged her on. Come on, Abby, who's going to tell? Beatrice glanced between the women, settling her gaze on Miss Gill, willing her not to let go of her hand. Donna shoved Miss Gill into Beatrice and they kissed again. Beatrice's knees buckled from the sensation of her secret crush's hands sliding around her waist and sprawling across her fuzzy back. Peggy admonished her, tugging at her arm. Abby! Miss Gill finally pushed Beatrice away. B, we can't do this. You shouldn't even be in here. You're a minor. She avoided Beatrice's eyes as she scratched at her forehead. Beatrice's heart plunged into her shoes. The last few days were the brightest she'd ever experienced in all of her high school years. No, even long before that. Why are you doing this to me? You're too young, Miss Gill said, seeming frustrated. Beatrice glared at her and then shoved her way toward the exit. She hiked up the stairs into the thick night air, her eyes blurry with tears. She searched frantically for Quentin's bike, but apparently someone had helped themselves to it earlier in the evening. Miss Gill huffed up the stairs after her. B, I'm sorry. Leave me alone, she sobbed through hiccups. I didn't mean to mislead you. 
She touched a hand to Beatrice's cheek. I'm very attracted to you, but I shouldn't be, she added through mournful eyes. It just isn't right. Beatrice flung Miss Gill's hand away and dashed off down the street. At least let me give you a ride, Miss Gill called out. It's so late. Beatrice ignored her and continued down the sidewalk, grumbling and kicking a crushed beer can out of her path. A squad car rolled up, and the officer followed Beatrice for a moment. You're Charlie Darby's girl, aren't you? he asked, sounding certain of the answer. She nodded through her tears and kept walking. Why don't you get in the car, darling? You're too young to be out gallivanting alone in this city at this ungodly hour. Beatrice exhaled, exhausted from the evening's denouement. She got in the car, tucked her chin to her chest, and swore that if one more person told her she was too young for anything, she'd clobber them. Jean Copeland, The Revelation of Beatrice Darby You've been listening to Book Clips by The Lesbian Review, broadcast on The Lesbian Talk Show. For more information on this book and author, check out our show notes. You can also email us on podcast at thelesbiantalkshow.com with any questions, information, or if you have a particular book that you want us to showcase.